This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard. I'm Keith Laws, Casper's Ice Cream. I'm vice president. We make America's favorite ice cream sandwich, the Fat Boy Ice Cream Sandwich. The thing I love about retail is it's ever-evolving. You can always go and find something new. And as an ice cream manufacturer, we're always striving to bring the latest and greatest innovation to the consumer. And it's great to go out and see those products on the shelves. From New York City, you're listening to Retail is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the retail industry. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the show. So glad to have you here. I'm Mark Rako, and with me, of course, or perhaps I am with her, it is, it is, she's running for office, apparently. It's Rebecca Fitz. Hi, Rebecca. How are you? I'm great, Mark. Good morning. Good morning. So glad to see you here. And I feel as if we have definitely miscalculated because given our guest, I feel very strongly that we should have ice cream sandwiches in hand or something like that. <laughs> I, yes. I'm really disappointed we didn't think this through enough, but we still have a great guest. And of course, it's Keith Laws. Keith, welcome to the show. Thank you. Great to be here. Yeah, same here. I actually would love to lead off. You know, you've been with a 95-year-old company for the last 12 years, which, by the way, means that about one every eight days it's been around, you've been a part of the organization. Think about that. But uh, the question I have is when I went to, you know, just do a little research in preparation for our discussion, it seems to me that as opposed to Fat Boy being just a leading product of Casper's, it seems that it's gotten to the point where it's becoming a bit interchangeable with the identity of Casper's. Like if you looked at social media, it seems you have a strong fat boys used in the social media name of the leading, at least Instagram account for Casper's from what I found. Maybe I've got that wrong. But so my question is, is how much after 95 years is fat boy a bigger name than Casper's is or is it? Fat boy. Yeah. Fat boy is absolutely the the name that we're known for you know around the country very few people know casper's ice cream even locally when we mention the name until you say fat boy then they're like oh we know who you guys are so (laughs) so yes absolutely fat boy has overtaken casper's and fat boy was actually started in the 80s so we went a number of years under casper's and but just the name and everything just took off and so we just grabbed on, and it's a fun name for a fun product. So over the last 12 years, we've seen a lot. Uh, we'll get into more of the meat and potatoes of this in a second, but I had one other related question. Over the last 12 years in particular, we've seen a dramatic shift, particularly in America, about politically correct language, the identity of people, and so forth. Uh, and a lot of products have had some pushback on their identity because of their name may have meant something different in the past and people see it as different now. Is is that something that, that, that you've experienced with Fatboy at all? And if so, how have you reacted? Or, or, or if you haven't, why do you think you've escaped that? We actually have a little bit. When we first launched our products into Florida in 2005, one of the retail buyers was really apprehensive about bringing the products in because of the name. 
but we explain to them that the name is a description of the product. Our, our ice cream sandwiches are larger and thicker than the average ice cream sandwiches that you find out in the market. And so we do have a push in our social media and everything to always try to explain before it becomes an issue that, hey, this is a description of the product. It's, it's big, it's, it's creamy. So that's how we try to combat that ahead of the time. You know, every once in a while you get the email, but you just try to explain to them and it's just have fun with it. And I mean, that's what ice cream is about. And so but we just lean on that. <laughs> it is interesting, though, that you're saying this is about the product, not about the person who's eating it. And you yeah. have, to, <laughs> have to separate the two. I mean, you know, I, this might be a good segue to to take a dive into this. But one of the things when I was reading about you and about Casper's is, you know, just how long you've been there. You've probably seen a lot of amazing changes. And just to put it in a big circle is, you know, lots of people in manufacturing and retail for whatever reasons are not staying as long as you have. So I'd love to dig into that. I mean, one first, when you started, there was no social media. So you, you certainly yeah. um, <laughs> uh, ran yeah. the gambit from seeing, you know, how you did probably traditional PR and, and got out the word about the brand to the days of social media. And then I'd love to also hear what's kept you there for so long, because I think people in manufacturing and retail might not want to move around as much. And I think I look at people who have kind of illustrious long careers at one place and am curious how you did it or how you're doing it. Yeah, <laughs> I think as a company with our ownership, we're family owned. And so we, we still operate as a small family owned company. Everybody here is friends after work on the weekends. We hang out with each other. And so the environment is very family oriented. And with the products that we're making, it just all fits together so well. And we all enjoy each other. And we, when we hire people, we try to find people that fit into the structure and, and move forward. But it's just, it's just a great place to work and designing fun products and, you know, trying to innovate what's going to be exciting for the consumer and, and being part of that team that gets to try those products first and help drive the direction and, and what's going to come out next is exciting and fun. So it's great. And by the way, it's almost like you're ahead of your time. I certainly have been through some interviews and gotten some jobs where I think that I was probably qualified for the job, but a lot of it that they were hiring on which is kind of startup world was on personality and on chemistry uh, and that you could come in and kind of be part of that environment in the right way. So you, you've kind of flipped it um, as well, or you've always had it, which I, I think is interesting. What other big changes have you seen since your time there? I mean, we talked about the social media. I don't know if you have any vignettes from that, but I'm sure it was, maybe it didn't feel like a big change, but a change nonetheless. No, yeah, social media definitely has. Like you said, when, when I first started, we didn't have any social media presence. And then we kind of dabbled in it a little bit um, our own, on our own. And, you know, we had a guy who's like, oh, he can design a website, have him do that. And, oh, he can deal with the social media stuff as well. And then <laughs> then all of a sudden you realize, whoa, this is a little bigger than what we thought. <laughs> right, you realize how serious <laughs> it is. You're like, what are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> Somebody has to be on that and concentrating at all times and 
replying and keeping it fresh. So then we went to an outside source and helped. And so now we have a combination of both that helps us keep up on it and just constantly evaluating the key indicators, making sure that we're being relevant in the marketplace with it, with the consumers. And so that's always a constant strive. It's every minute of every day, there's, you know, somebody thinking about what, what are we posting next or how are we reacting to other posts and, and making sure that we're, we're interacting. Given what we've all been going through over the last several months, how has Casper perhaps looked at itself and either said, well, this is the time we've been waiting for. One of the times we've been waiting for in our history, because obviously over 95 years, been, the brand's been through a lot of things, but the opportunity to say, okay, who are we in this moment? And I think it relates a little bit to what you were just saying, but how have either you said, okay, we were made for this moment. Let's put our back into it as an identity. Or have you said, okay, we need to adjust our messaging or our approach in reaction to what's on people's minds and the way they're they're buying right now. Can you address that? Yeah. So we have, I think when it first started, there was so much unknown. We weren't sure what the future was going to bring. And then for us, retail just exploded as far as on the grocery side. And so then we were trying to react and trying to figure out how do we keep our employees safe make them feel safe, not only be safe, and still try to supply products to the consumers. And so we really focused on that and trying to keep, you know, everyone healthy and then also just supplying those products that you want. And and our biggest thing, I mean, ice cream is a comfort food. And so we quickly saw that things were going to go a little crazy with all the demand. So so it was really important that we try to keep up with that. But as a company, we found that not only providing the products, but we live in a small rural valley, a lot of farmers, um, a lot of agriculture, a lot of food manufacturers and the thing. So it was really imperative that as a community that we stayed healthy so that all the companies could continue to supply products. So we got together as companies and we actually saw that, you know, a lot of the festivities over the 4th of July were going to be canceled. And so we got together as a group of companies and actually raised enough money that we could put on four or five separate fireworks shows throughout the Valley. Wow. And so everybody could watch those shows from all over the Valley. They could just stay at home with their families and maintain their social distancing. And, and so we felt it important as part of the community and other manufacturers to help provide, you know, something like that in the time of need. So that's amazing. There's so many layers to that decision, by the way. I mean, it's not just about helping with safety or whatever, but it's about communicating. We're still connected to fun. We're still connected to people coming together to good times. Think of us that way. So when you remember this time, one of the things maybe you remember is remember that fireworks show that they put on. Yeah. And it's really smart. I have two thoughts. Um, One is, I mean, I love what you did for 4th of July. And I don't think, you know, within retail and manufacturing, there was a ton of talk about supply chain and glitches and things like that. And even in the food supply. So I just think that's fantastic. And I imagine also on working on the fireworks, you all talked about 
things that were going right and wrong and bringing food to the market. And then I think it does belong in this segment, but we talked a little bit and I think you were innovative during COVID and we're, we're still in it, but just innovation in general. And a little bit goes back to the fat boy sandwich, but has the consumer or has the company pushed on innovation and product? And I definitely am not you know, I do not want to see a diet ice cream sandwich come up anywhere. But in thinking about dish manufacturing in general and the times we're living in and people having to evolve and adapt, it'd be interesting to hear about that. So as far as innovation goes, with the pandemic that we're dealing with, we found that there is a big shift with people to look for like single serve products. So novelty items, which the ice cream sandwich and the the nut sundaes that we produce, they fit that bill. So we found a, a big surge in that where people don't want to scoop out of the same container as everyone else, you know, in the family even. So we've seen a real drive on that way. So we actually, the timing for us couldn't have been better, if you want to use that word, <laughs> unfortunately. Two years ago, we opened our brand new manufacturing facility right next door to our old one we drastically increased capacity with that. We also added capabilities to bring products to market that we hadn't been able to in the past. So we provide single serve ice cream cones that we've developed. We've got a cup product that actually we feel like is extremely innovative and no one else in the market has anything like it. It's actually a seven ounce cup of ice cream with uh, lots of inclusions, but then we put an, a whole cookie right on top of the ice cream and put a little swirl of syrup on it and seal it up and comes with a spoon. And so we launched that, unfortunately, right at the first of the year when all the stores stopped resetting. And so that did cause a little bit of a, an issue with the products, but we're going to relaunch those this coming year and hopefully get them into more stores and I'm sure you guys have an enormous storage and refrigeration capacity or freezing capacity, but if you've trouble getting product out for whatever reason, whether it's the transportation aspect or whether it's, you know, people wanting the product, you can't just keep making product and piling up for what you expect to be a, an explosion of demand. There's only so much storage capacity Absolutely. for this. You can't just pile it higher. How do you deal with balancing being ready with demand. One thing you guys are probably not accused of is excess inventory. Yeah, definitely not at this time. So how do um, you gear up so quickly with something like ice cream? You know, you can't just sit it there. And I mean, the cost to store ice cream, even if you said, let's produce a whole bunch, have some refrigeration warehouses. I mean, it's just immensely expensive to keep that frozen. Yeah, you, you can only do so much, like you're saying. We can't turn off the product. So we will continue to run five, six days a week, 24 hours a day, all through the winter. And we'll fill up our storage locations and then a couple of others so that come June, July, August, even, we can't make enough product to fill complete demand. So there, we do have to stockpile a little bit. But like I said, being in the new facility, adding some automation to the process has helped with the output. So that, that definitely helps. And so our capacity, we have a lot of capacity still, but like you said, you can't, you can't make uh, all that demand at once. So yeah, there's definitely mm -hmm. some stockpiling that has to happen. So, and it's a balance, you know, in order to, you know, you can't tie up too much cash 
in there, but you, you've got to do enough that you keep the stores and the consumers uh, in stock. So, All right, up next, a look at the operation in total and how big Casper really is, and uh, maybe, maybe a, a lesson through the lens of a wholesaler for retail, and we'll talk a little bit about innovation technology and how a wholesaler connects with retailers right after this. Every business has at least one big pivotal moment. The moment when you say, okay, we're at this turning point, so then what? I'm Lahari Neil Peretti, founder of LN Accounting Advisor. I hope you'll join me each week on my podcast, Then What? As we talk with successful business leaders who push past their business's biggest then what moments and succeed in an even bigger way because of effective leadership and solid business practices. It's inspiring and deeply useful information for any entrepreneur. Subscribe to Then What on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you find the best podcasts. All right, Keith, maybe we take a a little trip in the time capsule and go back 15 minutes and let's talk about... Let's talk about how big Casper really is, how much product you put out. How big an operation is this after 95 years? Up until 2012, we had two manufacturing lines that were producing approximately 120 bars per minute. And then we were running six days a week, 24 hours a day. We built our new facility We now have two high-speed novelty lines that manufacture 450 bars a minute. In addition to that, we have capacity on four other manufacturing lines or other products that we had not been able to prior to this manufacture. So we're able to turn out a lot of products and a lot of different variety of products. Let's talk numbers. How many stores are you guys in right now and retail stores and uh, and how much product are you turning out on a regular basis? As far as actual numbers of stores, I, I don't have an exact number on that, unfortunately. I can tell you that we are distributed in all 50 states, Hawaii, Florida, which are two of the furthest from us or some of our largest. We have more distribution in those states than you would think. So the product has a wide reach. And like I said, we, we're nationwide with a few retailers. So you can find our products in almost every state in the country. So Would it surprise you to know that according to the information we provided, <laughs> your, your business's products, your treats, as they're called, are being sold at over 10,000 retail stores? No, it would not surprise me. And that's why we have our and, social media guys. To that's right. And, <laughs> gather and, that and, and here, here, here's another amazing stat. Out of your different manufacturing sites, you're pumping out more than 500,000 ice cream sandwiches a day. A day you guys are pumping out. A day. That is so impressive. That's a lot of ice cream. Let me tell you, that's one big giant ice cream headache right there. It is. <laughs> Unfortunately, it wasn't enough for even this year. So. Oh, my gosh. Wow. So was, um, yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. Oftentimes, and again, I'm really on the dry goods side of the business. 
there's lots of, you know, I'm a retailer. How do I deal with my manufacturers? Um, actually being worried about ordering too much from a manufacturer, which it almost seems like this isn't an issue for you all. But I can imagine being on the wholesale sales team for Casper must be really interesting. So if you've already got this many accounts, where is Casper going next? And without giving away any, you know, inside oh. information. Oh, give it away. Where, where should yeah. we see you? <laughs> what are, you know, what are the lofty Goals. Yeah, we're in those locations, but if you actually look at the data, our ACV number is extremely low compared to our competitors. So we feel like we have a lot of room to grow with the other retailers out there. And actually, you know, in some of those retailers, you're only in, you know, a percentage of the stores. And so getting on to every shelf is extremely critical. And like I said, with such a low ACV number, Overall, we have so much room to grow. So how do you do that? You're working with retailers, and it's not just about, come on, Joe, buy some more. And it's not just about backslapping and and relationship building. It's also about, I imagine, enabling your retail partners to sell better, sell smarter, help with positioning, help them with innovation, help them with all the things that can allow them to do more than just stick the ice cream bars in the freezer at the front of the store. Yeah. So what are the kinds of things in, most recently that Casper's been doing that can say, what, what could, how can we enable especially larger retailers to sell more of these? I think the biggest thing is, is, is those retailers know their sections better than we do. And so the key thing is when you go in is asking the question right off, what do you need? What can we provide for you that you're missing? And then also give them the data as far as our products go, which products do we feel based on the market, what they already have, what we think would be better based on our knowledge of our products. And so I think key is just asking and communicating with that retailer and finding out from them what do you need versus what are we going to try to force on you? Good selling tactic for sure. Yeah. And, and you know, again, some of the dry goods retail in the world is certainly struggling. And I think people think food and beverage is doing better, but there's certainly probably some similarities too in Absolutely. you know displaying, laying out your store, the consumer's journey yeah. to ice cream, which I'm sure is an interesting path to purchase. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and to your point, you know, I really didn't think about it you know, how many choices there are now. And probably when you started out, there weren't as many. And now there are, I have to say, every time I go into a deli in New York, I'm kind of blown away about how many fizzy beverages there are. And that's really yeah. a category in itself, which you actually wouldn't think. So, yeah. you know, ice cream, I'm sure is dabbling a little bit in the same category. Yeah, for sure. Being a manufacturer, I think is our strong suit and what we can offer retailers. Because like you said, there's so many different brands out there, but how many of those brands actually manufacture their own products versus go and have a co-manufacturer do those for them? Our phone rings off the hook literally daily of startups and everybody has a great idea of ice cream products and things like that and looking for somebody to manufacture. And I think for us, the other part with the retailer is trying to communicate with them saying, hey, we're a brand, but we're also the manufacturer. So when things get tight, the brands that go to the top of the list are our brands. The brands who 
they not own their own manufacturing facilities, they're going to be the ones mm -hmm. that take a back seat to the manufacturer's brands, unfortunately. So it's really critical that you have that infrastructure to be able to supply retailers, especially, you know, when times get tight. You know, that brought up a thought to me, Keith, these new and up and coming brands, whether whether they make any headway or not, and, and obviously uh, providing services to them would enable them to be potential, even small competitors. Oh, absolutely. But my question that kind of came to my head was, with all due respect to the immensity of Casper, I'm just someone personally who was not familiar with the Fat Boy brand. Uh -huh. Or a Fat Boy product. It's just not a name that's been embedded in my consciousness, with all mm -hmm. due respect. Yeah. I'm from New York. My yeah. question is how much at this point is Casper relying on momentum of consciousness and brand recognition versus having to educate and do brand marketing to a new generation? How much is that even a part of what you're thinking about, especially when you, you almost can't keep up with demand? Yeah, for sure. So that has been a struggle is is how do we communicate to that next generation? A lot by the of way, our... by the way, I'm not a part of that next generation, just to be clear. <laughs> no, I, I'm the but, previous generation. Yes. No, but you're the New York market, for instance, is one that we until just the last year or two, we really haven't broken into. And in New York itself, especially. So in other markets where we, you know, obviously in Utah, the the Intermountain West, the brand is very well known, even, on, you know, on the West Coast. So as you move to those markets that the brand is more in its infancy, it's more, we try to focus more in those markets in order to try to get the name known. Most of the mature markets that we've been in, a lot of our products are introduced to their grandkids from their grandparents because they grew up eating our products. And so we find that our products are really family oriented. They'll be at a one-year-old's birthday all the way up to your hundred-year-old grandmother's birthday and every family reunion in between. And so we get a lot of recognition through that. So knowing that, thinking back a couple questions about the pandemic, and not really knowing where the out on that is, how how long we're really yeah. looking at things being changed up. You know, one of the things about ice cream is it's a very social product. Yes. It doesn't rely solely on being social, but you, you do rely on birthday parties and fairs and festivals and ice cream socials and business functions and those types of things. And when you take those away, it affects at least a certain type of demand, the bulk demand. Mm -hmm. So how, if at all, is Casper thinking about, okay, that's not happening as much right now, and we don't know when those things will happen. How do we reinvent that thing and still provide opportunities for bulk? Like, how do we create party packages, if you will, to encourage people to have virtual parties that still everybody has fat boy? So yeah. maybe that wasn't really well said, but hopefully you got the gist. No, of I, yeah, I do. Definitely. I think what's happened is, is even though you're not having those big parties, we still find that the products you can buy at the club stores, those are still selling extremely well. And I think it's because those families aren't going out to eat. So as a family, they're consuming more at home for desserts where they can't go out to an ice cream shop and get ice cream. 
they're doing those and having, you know, kids home from school, they're always looking for a treat. And so obviously with what we've seen in demand, because those social gatherings aren't happening anymore, but demand is still increasing. So they're being replaced by, I think, just everyday use. It actually makes perfect sense. It's a comfort food. I've certainly been on a number of launch parties or Zoom calls, even with friends. It's usually with an adult beverage. But if somebody said, we're all going to show up with ice cream, I'm pretty sure I'd be down for it. So I do get it. And and hearing stories of um, how many families are at home and having to not only be the, the teacher, and the parent, but also kind of the entertainment because you're not going out to the movies and, and all those other things. So it's an interesting time for, for ice cream. Keith, over the last 12 years, you've dealt with many, many retailers. What could you say you've observed amongst the people who are doing the best job that seems to be a consistent through line that even sometimes leads you to suggest to another retailer and say, well, you know, I've seen 12 other retailers do this and it just worked really well for them. And it doesn't even have anything to do with ice cream. It just has to do with good retailing. What have you picked up along the way that you just notice works? So we find is that the retailers who are willing to partner with the manufacturers are the ones that have the most success, that they're not looking for the short term, how can we just get slotting dollars or just get ad dollars that don't make sense? What's the best way to advertise or get those products into the consumer's basket and partnering with the manufacturer, you know, to get those and move them through? Those retailers that truly are looking to partner are the ones that are the most successful. What's an example of a partnership that, that can work well? A partnership, the way we look at it is obviously slotting for retailers is an important part of getting products on the shelf. But there are retailers out there that are willing to say, hey, let's not charge slotting. Let's commit to run so many ads during a, during a period of time in lieu of that. We'll take those dollars in order to move product versus just put it on the shelf. Those are the ones that we find are more successful because getting it on the shelf is, is just the first step. You've got to get it in the consumer's basket and at home so that they can try the products and those you're going to move more product. It's an entrepreneurial mindset in a way yeah. on the part of the retailer that is the winner. Yeah, absolutely. They're just, they're, they're trying to think outside the norm of, you know, just filling a bucket for the sake of filling a bucket. That's a good note to conclude the segment on. So coming up, it's a little less about Casper, a little bit more about Keith as we uh, get to the sweet part of the show. Get what I did there, Rebecca. Uh, <laughs> the cherry on the Sunday, if you will. Pun intended. A hundred percent. A round of personal questions with Keith Laws right after this. Hey, Dresden, do you like to laugh? Oh, Mark, heartily, heartily. Elsie, do you like comedy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like to laugh at Elsie. I know, me too. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can 
listen to funny people talking every week. It's a podcast, and we talk about humor and comedy. And honestly, we can barely get through a commercial. But I promise you'll have a good time here. And we talk to amazing people, comedians, business leaders, inspiring people about their lives and about humor, about comedy. We play improv games. Babble. We babble. We talk about Uh, You'll be inspired and you'll laugh. That's why he has a co-host. We have, <laughs> that's right. We have great food, celebrity stories, and we always play an improv game. So come on by. You'll have a great time. Funny people talking wherever the best podcasts are found. All right. It is time, Rebecca, for our favorite part of the show, perhaps, and that is some personal questions. Keith, we want to get to know you as a human being. We don't have any gimmick to do this on this show. Some of our other shows at Mouth Media Network, we spin a prize wheel or a, or an invisible <laughs> salon chair with a sound effect. But in here, Rebecca and I just say, I don't know, you want to go? Exactly. <laughs> so, Rebecca, you, you have a question queued up? I do. And it's, it just goes to what we were speaking about. So my sister went to the U of U. Okay. There's an age difference. So I did not get to spend very much time in Utah. But for what I do as a living, I when we're in normal times, I go to places and I look for retail real estate. And I'm always interested outside of what you're really there to do for if I'm coming into Utah and maybe to your particular part of the woods, what is a must, I must do in Utah? If you're coming here, you've got to go to the mountains. You've got to be up in the mountains and you can do whatever you want, whether it's winter and you're going skiing or snowmobiling or mountain biking in the summer, hiking, it's where you got to go. And, and they're so close. They're literally, we're surrounded by mountains. Amazing. So from your office, 20 minute drive to the mountains? Actually, it's about five minutes to the nearest ski resort. Wow. Like I said, you know, we go up and a lot of times we'll just take an afternoon in the winter, just head up and go snowmobiling or something. And so, yeah, it's just getting outdoors is is the big thing here. Recreating. I love it. Yes. (laughs) Yep. Okay. So uh, my turn. I want to talk ice cream and desserts. So I have a two-prong question uh, for you, Keith. The first first is you have kids, yes? I do have two kids. Two kids. You probably get asked all the time, what's your favorite ice cream flavor? What's your favorite product? I want to know what your kids' favorite ice cream products or flavors are, number one. And then the second part of the question is, is I want to know your favorite thing, to eat with ice cream and your least favorite thing to eat with ice cream. Okay. So. Oh, he's ready see. for this one. He's like, yeah, I've been waiting see. for someone so to, to ask me. <laughs> my, my second daughter is going to be upset with me. Uh-oh. So I know my first daughter's favorite ice cream flavor is coffee flavor. Coffee is my favorite flavor uh, as well. My youngest daughter, she's a vanilla, which is actually most people's favorite flavor is uh-huh. vanilla. All right, so Keith, that second question was, what do you like to have ice cream with? And what's your least favorite thing to have ice cream with? Oh, it's hard to find an, a thing that you don't like ice cream with. Oh, uh, good good answer as a brand ambassador, <laughs> by the way. Very nicely put. There's, there's not much that it doesn't go well with. I guess the thing that I I like with ice cream is I like fruit. So if I go to get a milkshake or something, actually one of my favorites is chocolate ice cream with pineapple or raspberries or strawberries in it. So I like that sweet and 
Me too. And you know what's so funny? Have you ever had milk and orange juice together and how they don't work? Yes. But for, but for <laughs> some reason, fruit on ice cream works. Yes, it does. So that's, that's one of my favorites. So. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much. Keith, uh, uh, how can people connect with you or the brand? The brand, we have multiple websites, either caspersicecream.com or fatboyicecream.com. We also have two other brands, uh, Jolly Llama, which is uh, a kind of a more natural product. Jolly Llama? Jolly Llama, yes. Oh, I am so in love with that brand name. That's the greatest. I can't believe we're talking about this just right now, actually. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and then we also have our, what we call Churn Baby, and those are the ice cream cups that we discussed earlier. Oh, that's great. Can we go back to Jolly Llama first? Yes, absolutely. I think think we're Beck and I are infatuated. What what is Jolly Llama, and why is it called Jolly Llama? Okay, so Jolly Llama. Why is not everything called Jolly Llama? Yes, for sure. Sure, it's a great name. So with ice cream, we know that there's a percentage of the population that's either lactose intolerant or are looking for those natural products. So we're trying to provide products to all the entire population. So we had a product that we had the opportunity of purchasing this brand, actually, because we were making it for them. It's Jolly Llama. It's found at most natural grocers like Whole Foods, Sprouts Markets. And it is either a fruit sorbet pop or it is dairy-free, gluten-free ice cream cones or ice cream sandwiches. So I want so bad to have that. Yes. I, I don't even know where around us we have these available. That that I need to have that. Yes. That's amazing. I, I may make this dream come true for myself today. Um, which, by the way, I, I, thank you for mentioning this because I was trying yeah. to yeah. kind of sneak up to the question. I definitely, again, repeat it, do not want you to make a diet yeah. fat boy ice cream sandwich. But you are you are filling a category, obviously, yeah. of people who still love ice cream but want yes. to be slightly healthy. Yeah. The gluten-free, dairy-free ice cream cone is the first cone on the market. And, you know, going to a lot of those shows, we found that there's a lot of kids out there that weren't able to enjoy at those parties that we were talking about earlier. Everybody else had the ice cream cone or whatever, and they weren't able to enjoy those and be like the other kids. And we've heard from a lot of mothers that were like, this is so great that I kid can finally eat a product that their friends eat and feel like they're part of the group. So it's, it's nice to, to hear those, yeah. those uh, referrals. So Awesome. Uh, you know, I can only imagine the branding meeting where someone came up with that name, Jolly Llama. They were sitting around, oh my God, yes. job. Can you imagine, we go, here's the name, Jolly Llama. And like, everyone's like, wait, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> That's the greatest. All right. Yeah, so- well, uh, Keith Laws, thank you so much for joining us. What a cool brand you guys have. I'm a little upset that we weren't sent some ice cream in advance of this just so we yeah. could all be a no, no, I'm kidding because actually, actually, we only arranged this uh, interview very, very recently. I appreciate you being able to come on, Keith. Thank you yep, so much. Thank you for having me. Enjoyed the time. All right. Uh, continued good luck and uh, another 12 more years or however long you want it to be. Uh, with caspers that's it for this episode retail is your business thank you all so much for listening we we so appreciate it it's lots of fun go buy some ice cream or particularly go buy some jelly llama for rebecca fitz thanks mark thank you i'm mark rako have a great day everybody bye-bye this 
This has been Retail is Your Business. Produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2020. Your brand message can be on this show. Email us to find out more at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Thank you for listening. This is Mouth Media Network. Audio for business.